Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture podcast broadcasting from Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney. Now, as the show is about geek and pop culture, and one of the biggest geek movies that have out for the past month, and I'm just getting around to, I apologize for that, is Batman v Superman. And as a huge Batman fan, I had high expectations going into it. But And I knew if I was going to talk about this movie, I need another big Batman fan with me. And a person who hasn't been on the show before, who am I speaking to today? Matt Bishop, coming to you from Schenectady, New York. So it's not undisclosed location like we did during our mic test. Now everybody knows where you live. <laughs> so are you excited to talk about Batman v Superman? I'm very excited about it, especially because of the low expectations I set for myself the day before I saw it. All right, let's jump into our review of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. <laughs> Like I do with all my guests, if we're reviewing a movie or comic book, I always make the guests do a synopsis of the movie or book. What is the synopsis of Batman v Superman? Well, it takes place right after the events of Man of Steel, where we see uh, Superman and General Zod uh, fighting for Metropolis and for the fate of the world. Uh, Bruce Wayne drops into Metropolis to try to save his company and people that are he calls his family in Wayne Financial over in Metropolis. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't save many of his um, fa- many of the family he calls them, uh, and he's, he's very frustrated with Superman. He doesn't think anybody should have the kind of power Superman has. Where so we jump into the movie where Bruce is trying to figure out uh, the best way to take down Superman and to ultimately kill him. And along the way, we're introduced to new characters in the series, including Lex Luthor, Wonder Woman, and many others. Now. When did you first hear they were going to make a sequel to Man of Steel? I remember it like yesterday. I was working in a golf course in New City, New York, uh, th- three summers ago, and my jaw dropped when they announced it at, uh, I think it was at San Diego Comic Con. Mm-hmm. And I just got, I got so excited for the movie. It, because it, to me, uh, like my, my dad was big into comic books, and he, he would give me comics to read, or he would tell me uh, stories um, that he was reading. And the the first one I really sat down and read all by myself was The Dark Knight Return. So it's always been high up. It's it's just my dad knew how to start me. Um, So he was very high up on my list when the first teaser trailer came out and we had uh, Bruce Wayne in his huge, um, just just the Superman fighting suit taken right from the pages of Dark Knight Returns. I was just, I was all in for this movie, ready for it to come out. It's funny that you mentioned that because the first comic I bought by myself and went to the comic book store and first graphic novel I grabbed was Dark Knight Returns. It's, it's, it's got to be on top of everybody's list. And I brought it home and it was it was a spring day, much like this one. And like I was sat in my backyard and I read it from cover to cover. And like by the time the move like the book was over, it was like the sun was pretty much just set. And I'm like, whoa! I understand <laughs> why comics have endured for over 75 years now. As you said before, like this is a continuation of Man of Steel. What were your feelings on Man of Steel when when you saw it? Uh, see, I, 
what what I see, what I'm reading, more people are doing is they're trying to compare this to Marvel. And where I don't think that's fair, I, I I don't think that everybody wanted Man of Steel to be Iron Man, and it wasn't, and that was completely okay with me. I really liked Man of Steel. I like how we got a new origin story that we've never we've never really seen Krypton, or at least gen, this generation has never seen Krypton the way that they that the movie showed it, and it's mm. it, it's never brought this sense of urgency to the world where we need Superman all of a sudden. It's always been gradually introducing him. He's saving cats from a tree. It's just one day we need this guy, and then we need him forever. Because mm. of, and, and I, I think that's a great way to introduce Superman. And he's going to be there for the little things, but he's really going to be there for when big events happen. Um, and I just so I, I thought Man of Steel did a really great job of, of portraying that. And I know everybody complains about how much destruction there were, but when you have the when you have superheroes with this kind of power, you're going to have destruction. Mm. And like you were saying before, like that um, people like of our generation have not really seen Krypton. I mean, of course, doing an origin story of Superman or anything Superman related, it's going to be automatically compared to Richard Donner's the the Superman the movie with Christopher mm-hmm. Reeve as Superman, and it's I don't want to it's almost like a little unfair to compare it or because it's such it set the scene to every comic book movie to come afterwards, whether it be Tim Burton's Batman or later on like down the decade, whether it be Blade or X Men or eventually Batman Begins. All of them took their cues from what Richard Donner did with Superman. And so it seems like with Man of Steel, they they were already in a precarious situation. Like, all right, we're redoing a Superman story. And they had already screwed up once trying to, to launch the DC Universe with Green Lantern. So this one had to be a surefire. This has to hit. And it's but they it's like they took the structure almost like the structure of what Batman Begins was, with it being a nonlinear story mm-hmm. and put Superman in a real world today. And I can understand why people were kind of like, it's too dark and gritty, or it's not hopeful enough. I'm like, that. that's what the movie is trying to get to. It eventually gets to hope. You can argue if it's successful or not. But I remember I saw it in IMAX, and it blew me away. That was my first IMAX movie. <laughs> really? Yep. I didn't. Ha- I grew up in Syracuse, and we didn't have an IMAX screen, so I just never was able to really... It was not a true IMAX screen, I should say. Gotcha. It's funny because I was working at Walmart at the time, and we had this incentive, like, reduce ticket prices if we went as like a, as a company. And we go there, we're going to see it, and they realize they put us in the wrong theater. They put us in the 3D theater, and, like, the ads start coming on, and they're all, like, out of focus and, and like, red and, and red and blue. And I'm like, um... I think we're in the wrong theater. And like, oh, uh, yeah, sure, come to this theater. And it happened to be the IMAX theater. So we got to see an IMAX screening of Man of Steel for reduced prices, which I always thought was really, really cool. And immediately it became possibly the most polarizing comic book movie until probably now with Batman v Superman. And I'm not trying to harp on too much of it. What'd you say? I think that's fair. And... Do you think Man of Steel deserved the hate it got? Well, I understand why it got the hate that it got. And it's mm. because we are so in this um, era right now where all movies have to, all superhero movies have to be the Marvel style. Mm. Where you've got this hero that everybody loves and who's who always beats the villain and happy ending. And mm. Man of Steel, you, you have this dark movie where the superhero isn't loved by everybody, but he's needed... And it's not necessarily a happy ending because mm-hmm. of all of the destruction that you get. And I agree. It's because 
I like the, the old saying goes, fortune favors the bold, and the saying is true with both for Man of Steel and for Batman v Superman. But let's move off Man of Steel and on to Batman v Superman's characters. Now, what are your feelings on Clark in this movie within Batman v Superman? I, I still don't understand how anybody can really not get figure out that Clark Kent is Superman. Yeah. Uh, especially, especially in this realm. He is the same person whether he has glasses on or he's wearing a cape. Mm. Um, and that's that's really my only complaint with Superman. He's just, whether he's a reporter or a superhero, he's trying to do the right thing, He but he but he wants everybody to love him. And I think that's interesting because in, in life that's just not realistic where not everybody is going to love you. And Batman, conversely, doesn't care if anybody knows who he is or if he's loved by anyone. He just wants to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that's that's a good um, juxtaposition of the two characters. It's like there is like you think of um, the performance of like I know like we shouldn't compare it to Superman, but uh, Superman in the movie. But I'm I'm just about to do that. But you look at Christopher Reeve's performance that he became such a bumbling person when he's in the Clark Kent persona, and right. then when he takes off his glasses, he's automatically just more cocksure about everything. Mm-hmm. It, it would be nice to see if like Henry Cavill did more of that. But I still think, with the story he's given, I think he does a fantastic job. He looks the part. I oh, mean, he absolutely looks the part. And, and like, like at one point, he's got the even like the hair hair curl mm-hmm. at the front. And I'm like, oh, that is perfection, Superman, right there. And that's not to say that he's not a good Superman because I think he's an excellent Superman. I just think he needs to work on his Clark Kent character. Hmm. And but like, there's a lot of criticism saying that like he's a mopey Superman. Do you think that's a fair assessment, or do you think that's a fair criticism of the character? I think it's part of the character that Zack Snyder is just trying to trying to teach us. He's he's somebody that he he wants everybody to love him, and because he in his mind he's doing the right thing, and he's always he's just trying to look out for the little guy. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to save the world, mm-hmm. and when he doesn't get that that satisfaction from the press or people around him, uh, he he just gets mopey i mean he, he he's not getting the, the the satisfaction that he wants so that's just that's that's the way it is for him and that's why he's that way i mean like from like the first introduction to him in the movie is like he saves lois lane in the middle of the like african desert and he comes flying through the ceiling and he scowls at the terrorist that's holding her hostage and like people are like why isn't he smiling and i'm like well well he wouldn't be smiling there i mean like he, like he just He's got the woman. He, the person is holding a gun to the woman he loves. He's going to be intimidating. I don't know how you're not intimidating. It is you just flew through a ceiling, creating a sonic boom on your way over. So I feel like it's like I'd be like, all right, I'm going to drop my gun at that point. I'd be like, you know what? I'm not going to be able to stop this guy. Right. I should probably right. just leave him to it. Um, and as the movie goes along, I think one of my favorite moments with uh, Clark in this movie is when he goes before the Senate to mm-hmm. face the uh, accusations against him. And he walks in, and he's very calm and everything like that. And then when... He even has kind of a smirk on his face there when he's walking through the halls. Yeah, he's like... <laughs> yeah. And not in a cocky way, like, oh, I gotta deal with these earthling matters or anything right. like that. But, um... In that moment when, like, Sandra Finch starts getting distracted by the jar of piss next to her, and, like, that <laughs> moment of realization, like, Clark's like, something's not right here. And I think it's a perfect scene of tension right there. Like, something's not off, and Clark knows it. And it's not, he's not paying attention to uh, the dude in the wheelchair, or Wallace, and doesn't realize he's got C4 or whatever planted with him. Um, and my, like, one of my favorite moments with Clark is probably 
uh, near the end where like right before the Trinity like finally unites and they like one of the few jokes in the movie is like we jokes about Doomsday and Batman's like I've been busy like having a nice little quip between the two of them, even though they almost tried to kill each other no more than twenty five minutes ago right. I I enjoy and I think there was one lost opportunity when um, Lois like kind of drags him out of the water when he's carrying the kryptonite spear. It would have a perfect moment been like, oh, so you saved me now. Because how many times he saved Lois throughout right. the movie. Now, we won't get into his, we'll get into his ending very soon. When we, I don't want to jump into that right yet. But since we brought up Lois, your feelings on Amy Adams as Lois Lane in this movie. I, I want her to stop being the damsel in distress. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the only thing she seems to serve is damsel in distress. She goes on a story... I mean, it, I really like that she went off and she talked to the senator and they found the bullet and she connected Lex, Lex Luthor to um, the desert. But mm-hmm. it really didn't do anything for the story. It just gave her something else to do Yeah. Um, until she was going to get in trouble again. And then Superman had to come save her. Um, so I, I think we need more dimension from, from Lois's character. I agree. Like she, was, like, she was great in Man of Steel when she had, to, she had scenes all to herself when they were on Zod's ship. That was mm-hmm. great lo- use of Lois Lane, where she didn't always have to be a reporter. She wasn't always going after a story. She was just being herself and 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 trying to to get herself out of trouble and not having to rely on Superman to save her in that instance. But in this movie, all we got was Superman has to come save her time after time. And it's it's become like a running joke throughout Lois Lane as a character throughout publication, like like Robin or Lois always get kidnapped, and Batman mm-hmm. or Superman then would have to eventually save them. And, like, even in, like, with Dick Down to Superman, like, Mar- Margot Kidder got into a lot of problems as Lois Lane and Superman saved her. But you think of, like, the animated series Lois Lane, where she is so sure of herself. Sure, she would put herself into dangerous situations, but she fully recognized what she was doing. But and it, but this, it seems like, oh, I have a guardian angel, and I can right. just dive headfirst into any situation knowing that Kal-El is going to save him. Yeah. Right. Now, the, th- the thing I don't get about Lois 2 in this movie is how come she – well, first, it makes perfect sense why she would throw the spear into the water at the end. Yeah. How did she know to go get it? Mm. Nobody would – like if somebody had said, hey, we need that spear or Batman's looking for it and so she knows exactly what he's looking for, that's totally fine. But she just kind of turned around after she had thrown it in the water and just knows that she needs to go back and get it. Which is probably one of my biggest problems with the movie itself, like – it definitely seemed like they wanted to get rid of that spear, but I don't know if that's like a rewrite, like, oh, we really need the spear, or really was like, oh, we're going to set that, we have to set up to be paid off later. Right. And my biggest problem with Lois Lane as a character is like, all right, she, she connects Lex Luthor to the assault, the, the terrorist act in the desert. Okay, where does that go? What does that really do to anything to the plot? But we see Lex Luthor in prison afterwards, we don't know if it was convicted on the crimes based on her investigation or anything like I th- that. I think the only thing they really said was his what he was in jail for was the activities on the ship with with Doomsday. Okay, I think they said that. I just saw it yesterday. I mean, for the like, second time, right? And I, I mean, there is that deleted scene that was released not too long ago where it's like him inside the water and like uh, he's looking for a mother box, and it's not Steppenwolf; yep. it's uh, Doomsday's father. I forget his name. Oh crap. 
Doomsday's father or dead, or dead Darkseid's father? Doomsday. Well, Darkseid's father. Wow. Okay. <laughs> because Luther is Doomsday's father in this, technically. Um, yeah. And then, so like, so she throws the spear away. The chance of going back and getting it. I would have been okay with that if Aquaman got her out of that situation. That, that would have been great, too. Like, I mean, that would have been a great introduction I, to him. Right. I don't care who, which character had, had said something to her about it. I just yeah. wanted somebody to, to tell her she needed when they needed the spear. The script told her that she needed to get the spear. Yeah, exactly. pretty, pretty much. <laughs> uh, like, the joke that my friend Justin and I always make, it was like, well, he's like, oh, they read the script. That's why they're doing what they're doing right now. <laughs> um, and, I, and, I, and, I, and, and I hate to hate on Amy Adams in here, but I'm like, she's doing the best she's got with, with the material she's given. And I know, I know she's done better work elsewhere, and I just kind of wish she was given more to do. However, it is a juggling act upon itself that, they have all these characters in here and give them all right. dimensions. So it had to be pushed, came to self somewhere. But let's move on. Let's talk about Bruce Wayne and Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne and Batman. Your feelings on him before you saw the movie and then when you saw the movie itself. I was one of those people that were optimistic when they said Ben Affleck. And it's because I was in the minority with him as Daredevil. I really mm. liked his character of Matt Murdock. It was, it was, I just, I really liked that movie. It's one, it's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, "Good." There's I'm a target on your back it. now for that. <laughs> Somebody's getting, there's a target on your back after saying that. Right? Exactly. Oh, I know that. <laughs> but I was like, "Good." I'm glad he's getting another chance to be another superhero. And it just so happens he's my favorite superhero. And it just so happens he has to follow up the greatest Batman we've ever had, in my right. opinion, in Christian Bale. And I thought he nailed it. I, he's not. He's not right now. But I think by the by the time the DC universe is over, he will be the best Batman. And it's he's just he has that look. He's he's got the the body, the physicality of, of Batman is there, and he just he felt like Batman, and he juggled Bruce Wayne and Batman, I think pretty well. He he knew how to act at, at his party scenes, and he definitely knew how to act in his in his action scenes. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm with you. Like when like I was with my friend Mike when I was like going through Twitter, and like Ben Affleck announces Batman. I'm like, Ben Affleck is Batman. I can see that. I, and yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't like. Oh, I'm gonna burn my copy of Dark Knight Returns in in protest. Um, Let's all freak out like we did for Heath Ledger as Joker. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's because of Heath Ledger's casting that we should all reserve judgment. I think I think that's the biggest lesson of his casting. It's been like same thing with Jared Leto with all the tattoos and stuff like that. Everybody, it was a minor freak out, not as bad. I still can't wait for that. He's yeah, no, insane. exactly, and I feel like. The internet is very of the moment, just like like anything else. It's very like very like trendy and stuff like that. Like, oh, this happened, we must immediately react to it. There's not a lot of time to sit and think about it. There are times when you see something and you immediately like you have a feeling in your stomach like, oh, I don't know about this. Mm-hmm. Case in point, the first Ghostbusters trailer. Like, I'm optimistic <laughs> with the four go- female Ghostbusters. I'm all for that first trailer, though. I was like, ooh. Like, I hope this is not the best material. If it is, I am really unsure about this, but I'm going to hold judgment until I see that movie. Same thing when it comes to Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne. Like The first picture that like, Zack Snyder tweeted out with him like being all hulking next to the Batmobile, everybody's like, huh, okay. The maybe on my phone right now. <laughs> um, and then when we see the Batmobile, and then we saw the first trailer with him in the mech suit, everybody's like, oh, this is going to look, he looks so awesome. And then I'm yeah. like, uh huh, and, he's, and taller, were, he's taller than Superman. He's an imposing figure. It's I think they nailed the casting. 
I mean, like, this is coming from the guy, Zack Snyder, who made 300, probably the, like, the manliest, buffest movie yeah. ever. So you knew Batman was going to be the correct physique when it came to this. And I remember first, like, meme I saw about when Ben Affleck was cast, it was, like, somebody photoshopped the bat uh, cowl on him while he was on the red carpet. And they wrote in frenetics of, like, his Boston accent, like, Joker, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop your head in. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm like, oh... I hope it's not going to be that. And then, <laughs> movie comes out. They got the voice modulator. They got the Frank Miller suit, mm-hmm. and I was happy with it, with his casting. I think he nailed every moment, like playing the drunk uh, billionaire at while he's in Lex Luthor's house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but he's also a detective and engineer. That him and Alfred are a team rather than one person doing all the work and the other person just uses yeah. the gear. And the way that he can track Diana down and he knows where to find her at the art show. Exactly. I mean, you have some interpretations of Batman where, like, you think of, like, Grant Morrison, like, and Batman is pretty much Bat-God. He can do anything. There's nothing that can get past him. Mm-hmm. Or then you got Jeff Johns' Earth-1 Batman where he's not the greatest Batman yet. I mean, like, at one point I'm reading his comic and Riddler sneaks up on him with a shovel and cracks him in the head. And I'm like, I don't know about that. I don't know if he'd be able to be taken that easily. But I digress. Um, what do you think about Batman killing in this? You know what? I, I know it's a problem for a lot of people, and it's only a problem because in his past four movies now, he really hasn't killed people. Back mm-hmm. to Doctor Freeze or uh, Mister Freeze's Batman Forever. Uh, but Batman's killed before. Uh, yes. I mean, he he killed Jack Nicholson's Joker. Mm-hmm. He and that's and that's a movie. I mean, and if you look back in the comic books, Bat, Batman kills people. It's. I mean, I think. One thing that we're going to get out of this movie is he killed people in this movie because of the state that Bat- that he himself is in right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, he throughout the course of the movie, he is this, I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to complete this job. And then Superman kind of t- t- makes him do a 180. Right. And by the end of the film, he's not that whatever it takes to, to finish the job. It's let's do this the right way now. Let's let's build a team and let's do this the right way so that we're it's not all on our shoulders and we don't have to take those extreme measures in order to complete the job. So I don't. So I'll be curious to see if he keeps up killing in Justice League and his standalone movie. Right. I mean, and they set up earlier that anybody that he brands is pretty much a death mark when it comes to prison. And most people are being shivved because of it. Mm, excuse me. But I mean, look at Lex Luthor at the end. He doesn't brand him. Exactly. It was his character arc to come back to a sense of humanity that it took Superman to get him to, and like you're like he like mows down a lot of people with a machine gun. We're like, well, that's a fantasy. First off, when it, when we see the Doomsday fla- uh, like uh, Flashpoint thing that we right. have, the, and then uh, right. well, the the Nightmare Dream, so the Nightmare Dreams, right? Nightmare, yeah. And then you have he's chasing down Lex Luthor's truck, and he's he's first fired a pawn. And he right. fires back in retaliation. I know it's a, that is splitting hairs right there because the, the the he chews up the car with his ammunition, and the car eventually blows up. and He drives through the explosion. Sure, he wasn't like like All Star Batman or Robin, but he was like being so gleeful about it and like, oh, I get to kill more people. He's not doing that. However, you think of like you were saying before, like with the Tim Burton movies, he set a dude on fire with his Batmobile at right. one point, right. and like. People now, in hindsight, think it's a little iffy, but if you go back to Bob Kane and Bill Finger's uh, writings, he killed all the time. And my favorite moment from like one of the early, I forget which issue it was, like, 
Batman's investigating this one crook inside his apartment, gasses him to knock the dude out. Dude starts waking up. Batman jumps out the window and uh, ropes himself against the building, spins back around, swings back around. The criminal looks, peeks his head out the window, and Batman lands on the back of his neck, cracking it. And you're like, oh, he literally just broke a dude's neck right there. And I was fine with that, and I was fine with this. And one of the biggest things that I, that came the reason why I'm okay with it, the Dark Knight is predicated on the fact that he will not kill. Right, the, that, the movie, that was an established tool that they used in the movies. And why would you want to repeat that? Why would you want to repeat that lesson over again? They probably wanted to dis- distance themselves as much as possible from that. So they were like, well, this is one thing you could change. Right. And Zack Snyder even said he tried to have Christian Bale cast... Right. Zack Snyder even said that he tried to cast Christian Bale as a different character just to further distance himself from Christian Bale being Batman. Right. I wonder how that would have worked. I don't know. How, I don't, people probably would have been confused at that point. Probably. Or he could have just been Jimmy Olsen and they could have killed him the first five minutes of the film. <laughs> oh, like that's how you that's how you set the tone of the, of the movie. You double tap Jimmy <laughs> at, at the head of the movie. Like, oh, okay. And people like were scratching heads like, Jimmy Olsen can't be a CIA agent. But I was like, isn't under like Bat, uh, Superman Red Sun, Jimmy Olsen was a CIA agent? I, I think that's Mark Millar's writing. I could be wrong with that. He I also could have just been lying about being a CIA agent. That's true. It, it, regardless, it didn't end well for him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then you... There was something else that was, like, um, that's, that's bothering me about... Not bothering me, but, like, with Batman being twenty years a 20-year vet, and the biggest problem I had with Batman, like, it's my only real problem with Batman as a character, is that how much would have been stopped if he had killed? Like, that's the whole crux of Batman Under the Red Hood. If Batman killed the Joker earlier, Jason Todd would not have been dead. He would not right. have came back as the Red Hood. Which I'm so hoping we get that story, by the way. That's why I think it, that's what the rumors are, that him and Jeff Johns wrote a Red Hood story. It's going to be a flashback awesome. story. Awesome. As long as that's not fake and that Jason Todd is actually the Joker, I hope to God that's not true. Yeah. Joker is Joker, and that's the end of it. Precisely, and I mean, like, there are changing a lot of preconceived notions of characters in this. I just hope the guy, like, they're like, you know what? You know what would really mess them up? We'll make a Robin a Joker. <sighs> Ooh, that's a good idea. Let's see how that works. I hope the guy's not that. Well, I mean, they've done that before. Batman Beyond's the animated series. It's true, but I don't think... Uh, Jared Leto is going to transform back to Jason Todd. No, we, we I, remove a, I think Jared Leto is Joker. Yeah, and that he's Joker through and through. And I cannot cannot wait for Suicide Squad. Um, any final thoughts on Bruce Wayne as Batman? I can't wait for more of him. Really? Exactly. <laughs> like he's one. He's probably one of the biggest drawing powers for Suicide Squad. If it needed any more drawing powers, right. um, Jesse that's Eisen he was in it. Yeah, that's how excited I am for Suicide Squad. We don't. We almost don't even need him in it. <laughs> exactly. Um, your feelings on Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor? Now, a lot of people are saying to me he would be a good Joker in the way his character is. Mm-hmm. But, and I, I mean, Jesse Eisenberg probably could be a good Joker, but I think he was a really great Lex Luthor. Right. Maybe to, maybe tone back a little bit of the over-the-top crazy, but his his super, super intelligence that he shows, both speaking to Senator Finch and when he has Superman on top of uh, LexCorp, I think that was spot on. I'm a little. I wish we had gotten a little bit more of Lex learning um, about the Kryptonian 
uh, mm-hmm. ship and, and the hundreds of thousands of planets around the solar system. And I wish we had. I wish they had included a scene with him talking to Darkseid's assistant or, or father or whoever that was in the yeah. Right. And that um, was just because I, I think we needed a little bit more Lex than what we got. Right. Um, but like we like we we've already said with the amount of characters we have in the juggling, I think they gave enough that we knew who Lex was and he was a well established character mm-hmm. and we under we understand his motives and and what he's after. Um, I'm interested. I, I wish I almost wish now that he hadn't been caught and he could have figured out how to blame it on somebody else. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see Lex Luthor in a, in a movie form become president of the United States as they do in the comics. Um, but I just don't see that happening now with no. with, with the events of of this movie. Unless they, unless in a, if we do a full on no man's land movie, and that's that's what led up to him becoming president in the first place because he bails Gotham out of their their problems. Um, like saying comparing them to Heath Ledger's Joker, I didn't get that. I know like he's got like certain like ticks and stuff like that, but he that's more like he seems like he's sitting on a powder keg of rage and he's trying his damnedest to keep under control and it's clearly not working. Right. Um, it definitely has some daddy issues. For sure. And I wonder if this is the Lex Luthor that, that's murdered his father in the past. Hmm. That's interesting. Or if we're going to get, like, if they actually cast Brian Cranston or whoever as, like, Lex Luthor Sr. at that point, and then we have, oh, Don't okay. Don't tease me. Don't tease me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Somebody already did, like, a massive trailer, like, taking lines from Breaking Bad and putting it to, like, Man of Steel footage, and I was like, that's pretty cool. Um, and one thing, like, I enjoy by... Uh, hold on, I didn't hear... I, I actually didn't hear what you just said. It just skipped out. Um, like, taking, like, Man of like, uh, lines from Breaking Bad, putting them to Man of Steel footage, and trying to build up what Lex Luthor's oh, going to do. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty funny. Um, and with, with Lex Luthor, the, the, the one thing... I appreciate an actor who tries their dandism. They swing for the fences. That's why I don't mind Nicolas Cage. That's why I don't mind Keanu Reeves in some movies. Like Keanu Reeves, I think, is a cool guy in his own right. So I appreciate that he wasn't just, like, phoning it in. Granted, I think you're right. He should have been reeled it back just a little bit. Like, that one moment where Superman, like, is looking at the photos on the roof of, of his mother, and he's like, where is she? And his, his eyes, like... Uh, about to uh, just, vaporize. Just rip, right, just rip him apart. And he's like, I don't know! Well, like, okay, you could have done another take of that. You could have brought that down another level. Right. Um, just a very stern, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know where she is. She could be anywhere. Right. I didn't make her tell me. To Jesse, to, to, to Jesse Eisenberg's credit, which I would probably then place some blame on, on Zack Snyder and the casting director, Eisenberg has never read a comic. And he said that he didn't really even know who Lex Luthor was when, when uh, Zach talked to him about the part. Well, which so is he needed to do. He probably needed a little bit more research. Yeah, and I feel like at this point in the game of how comic book movies have become the dominant force in Hollywood, I don't think it's we can't let that uh, slide when it comes to an actor taking on an iconic role. Do you agree? Did you hear what I said? Nope. Oh. But linked out. Oh, uh, okay. Um, Sorry about when that. It, no, it's okay. Uh, when it comes to an actor taking on an iconic role from comic books, do you think it's kind of almost required reading that they must read something of that character? I think that Zach probably should have. 
here's that we're pulling your character from, and here's a couple of animated movies and a couple of episodes from the TV show. And then mm-hmm. that's, that's his homework. I mean, if you look at look at the physicality that Henry Cavill and uh, Ben Affleck had to go through to get in shape for, to portray their characters. Eisenberg didn't have to do that. He had to grow his hair, and it was most likely just a wig. So yeah. he he, he, pro- he needed a little bit more effort going into the film in order to get ready for it, to do it properly. And uh, you mentioned before about his motivations, and a lot of people were confused about his motivations. Why do you think people were getting that vibe? Well, I mean, he he just keeps saying there can't be any, there can't be God, there can't be God, there can't be God, and and we we can't put all our trust in, into this into this man. Mm-hmm. And so I think the way I got it was he wanted to control God, he wanted mm-hmm. to control Superman. So he took his mother, and he was hoping that that he would then go kill Batman, painting a bad light on him there. And then maybe, so so he. I mean, as, as soon as Batman steals the kryptonite, he puts a target on his back because he, the way that Lex sees controlling God is to have have something that will weaken God. And kryptonite is we've, they've proven uh, is able to do that. So Superman can kill Batman, whether it paints a bad light or not on his character and in, in the media and with people's perception of him, he's going to then be able to, to have an easier avenue to go steal kryptonite back. Mm-hmm. And it's. As soon as he has it, all he has to do is capture Lois and his mother, and, and Superman's his. It's Lex seems the person of opportunity, and he sees that moment, and like he keeps saying God over and over again. Could there be a God? Because, like he said, like God should have saved him from his abusive father. And right. you think at this point, before Superman reveals himself to the world. Probably Lex Luthor is probably one of the most powerful people on the planet besides Bruce Wayne or Oliver Queen or a handful of other people in the DCU Mm -hmm. when it comes to wealth and influence. And then all of a sudden, this being from another planet can literally destroy the planet if he wanted to. And he feels threatened by that, and he wants to prove that he is still more powerful, that man is still more powerful over this alien. And... He tries to go about it in a slightly legitimate way when he he has he approaches the senator to do it in a legitimate fashion. Like, we just want to have a defense system just in case. Right. And it's because of Senator Finch outright, outright, outrightly denying him that he's like, all right, fine, I'm going to take matters in my own hands. I didn't, get, I didn't make it this far from playing nice. And I appreciate that. And I like the fact that we also have the scientist version of Lex Luthor as not just like, I need land and et cetera, et cetera, that we've seen in so many iterations of Lex Luthor. Do you think it's kind of on the nose casting Jesse Eisenberg as his role since he's been so popular because of the social network? Well, I think, I don't think uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Lex Luthor are the same character, but mm-hmm. I think that it's through like uh, zombie scenes, zombie land or adventure land. But whatever, whatever other movie Justin Eisenberg was in, I think he's shown that he can be versatile in his roles. Mm-hmm. And to me, he, he was versatile in this role. It was different than his other characters he's been in. Um, and, and, I mean, maybe Zack Snyder, this is how Zack Snyder thought Lex Luthor should be, and this is how he should interact in this universe. And I hope we get more Lex Luthor in this universe. Um, and I, I think there was probably some, some star power behind... Uh, casting a Jesse Eisenberg and casting a Ben Affleck. Uh, just, mm-hmm. just compare for a second. The all um, compared to the DC lineup. Robert Downey Jr. came back from uh, his his long 
absence from Hollywood with Iron Man, and that was his comeback movie. Um, so he was a rel- I mean, big name, yes, but at the time, not as big as he is right now. Mm-hmm. Chris Evans wasn't a big name. Scarlett Johansson was um, probably a, a B-level player. Paul Rudd's another small guy. They, like all, all, most of their guys are all small are, are small timers, and for them it's a financial thing where they get they get these small timers and then they get them to a long deal and it's they don't pay them a lot of money. So Marvel's going about having they they sign their stars to long term deals for for less money than what they probably could be making if they only signed a two two movie deal, get all all this publicity and popularity, and then re upped they'd be making a fortune. The way mm-hmm. DC seems to be doing it is. They, I mean, Henry Cavill, he's relatively unknown at the time of his casting. Gal Gadot, she's got she's had her success in the Fast and Furious series, but outside of that, she hasn't really done much. Ben Affleck, though, huge name. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and DC now gets to use him as a director, too, down the line. I'm sure they are, well, I, we know now that he's going to be directing the Batman standalone film, but I'm sure that when he signed on as Batman, they knew that he was going to be directing something in their universe. And uh, Jesse Eisenberg, huge name. Lois, uh, Amy Adams, huge name. So it's, I think that DC was trying to go with, uh, maybe our characters aren't as well known right now as Marvel's characters. So let's get these, uh, names behind them, and and that's how we'll stir up our marketing. And so yes, I think to answer your question, I think that there was some motivation to Jesse Eisenberg's succession the Social Network to bring him on as Lex Luthor, but I don't think it was because of the character he played in the Social Network. Gotcha. Which is a good thing. The bring up like the fact that Ben Affleck's directing a Batman film down the line. He probably also had like a few other projects that he wanted to direct by himself, not related to comic books. And Warner and Brothers was is. like, I think he's directing something right now. Yeah. And I, I bet you is released by Warner Brothers because they probably mm-hmm. offered him the distribution deal. Like, yeah, sure. Your projects, you, they have a home here. If you're willing to do this for us. Yep. Um, has, has there been an announcement on who's directing justice league two? No, not yet. I hope okay. it's not Zack Snyder because I feel like just another voice in there would be nice. Right. I mean, I, I like his vision and everything like that. However, I feel like the dude's going to have completely gray hair by the time this thing is over. I mean, like, he looks he's a healthy, like, middle-aged dude, but by the end of it, he's just going to be totally shot. And, right. like, you've seen, like, filmmakers who continually, like, churn them out and they're, they're shot by the end of it. We don't get another movie for, like, five years from them, and I don't want right. that. That's what Chris Nolan's doing right now. How so? Well, I mean, when Interstellar came out last year, two years ago now, and then two we're not years getting, ago. Yeah, two years ago now, and then we're not getting another movie from him until when's his World War Two movie coming out? That I don't next, think it's next year. Isn't it? It's not next year. I, well, I, have they started filming yet? Mm, I don't think so. But he did, he did five big blockbuster movies in a matter of eight or nine years. Where's Anya? Yeah, I mean, you think of the fact, like, starting from his first movie following until now, like, he did, he's done almost 10 movies in mm-hmm. a little over 15 years, yeah. and you and you look at Interstellar, that movie's about him and his relationship to his family and not being able to see his kids grow up. That's how I always saw it. I like, never that's put like, that together. That's, that's excellent. I never put that together. I had a kind of enlightening moment coming driving home from work today. I'm like, sure... Interstellar's story may not be his strongest, but it's definitely him trying to create an experience, and I yeah. think it works on that level. No, I think that's I think that's an awesome way to put it. And and I always had problems with Interstellar. Granted, first time I saw it, my girlfriend and I fought on the way to the movie theater, so I had a like kind of like a crabby vibe with watching the movie. So it kind of dimmed that experience for me. So mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't care. 
It's kind of like, uh, I don't care. That's a giant tidal wave. I hope it wipes them all out. I'll be happy. <laughs> Same thing. Like, we had another like kind of like a tiff on the way to see Gone Girl, the worst movie to see while you're in a fight with your with your uh, significant other. Like drive home, it was super quiet. I was like, oh god. She's going to kill me. She's probably thinking I'm going to kill her. It's re- <laughs> it was really uncomfortable experience there. But getting back to the saying, they're like, I hope we have another voice when it comes to Justice League Part 2. Hopefully, I don't know, maybe George Miller do it. He yeah, did. Well, if, they, if they brought George Miller in to do it, Cause he was supposed to, right up. He was supposed to do Justice League years ago when they were supposed to do the Justice League, just the right. straight-up Justice League movie. And it was Arm. Oh, who was it? It was Army Hammer. Who like he was in the Social Network, and um, he was the Lone Ranger. He was going to be Bruce Wayne. And I thought, yeah, and that, that was, was that, good. Was that, then was that Nicolas Cage being Superman too? No, this is this is years after that that uh, was abandoned, yeah. and it was Warner Brothers was so close, and they put the kibosh on to do Batman Begins. So, well, I think we kind of probably won out with that. Yeah, I mean, we got Batman Begins the Dark Knight. We got the Dark Knight trilogy. But then again, we would have been one-upped on Marvel. Um, like, DC fans would have been one-up on Marvel when it came to an extended universe. But I digress. Right. Moving on to other characters. Let's talk about, since we talk about the Justice League, let's bring up Wonder Woman. Your feelings on Gal Gadot. Uh, I wish we had just a little bit more on her in the film. I don't think, like, obviously you and me know all about her because of our backgrounds and how much we love this stuff. But the average moviegoer is going... They know who she is by her costume she's wearing, but did you know who she was the first time you saw her at the uh, at Lex Luthor's house? And maybe that's the idea um, that you don't know who she is right away because she. I think she looks drastically different between when she's in her Wonder Woman uh, garb and when she's in uh, just normal clothes or, or, or fancy dresses. Um, or, or what are her? I, I want to know what her motivations are. Like, if she she hasn't been fighting monsters in in a hundred years. Why now does she, or she, she said she, she abandoned humanity a hundred years ago. Well, why is she back now? Does she know something? Does she, does, does she have a feeling that, does she, does she know who Dark Side is already? Does she know he's coming? So that kind of bothered me a little bit that, that they went into that. Um, mm-hmm. but I think she stopped, she stole the show, um, whenever she was on screen. I think she's, Gal Gadot was, was, uh, my dad made an interesting point. A lot of the lines she was saying, she sounded like a Talia al Ghul. I, I think, I can get that. Her, her, her being her, I think she would have been an, made an awesome Talia, but I don't think we're going to get another Talia in this universe. Um, I hope so, not. I mean, not, like, if it, not if they screw it up again. Like my father's work is complete. Uh, one oh, of the worst deaths. That was probably the worst person <laughs> I've ever seen die. And I like Marion Cotillard too. She just oh, she she's didn't wonderful. Die. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but she just didn't die right. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, you're one of flashes, but you can't die worth it. Worth a shit, but I right. mean, jeez. <laughs> but go on. I'm sorry. Um. So, but her as Wonder Woman, I I think she kicked ass in in the fight against Doomsday, and I love the little line that Bruce and or uh, Batman and, and Superman have that she with you. No, I thought she was with you. I thought that was great. That she is kind of she's a, she's her own character, and I'm glad that they kept making it very clear that she doesn't need that she doesn't need to hang out with the boys. She can handle things on her own. So I'm really looking forward to her period piece movie coming out next year. Um, and like you're saying, like you couldn't like oh you couldn't recognize her. What well, is a? They don't say Diana Prince. They like when she's leaving like the Turkish airline. Um, right, that was the first time we even heard anybody call her Miss Prince. Prince, yeah. And I'm like like oh so like oh they did drop her name. 
and then when she's in her Diana Prince like outfits and stuff like that, like she wears her hair very straight and everything like mm-hmm. that. But when she's as Wonder Woman, her hair is very curly and it's it's flowy. <laughs> I don't know if that's really a word, but no, it is. Uh, and then there's when it has that moment when when I saw it for the first time where she absorbs the blast from uh, Doomsday's uh, heat rays, and then like with the gauntlets and the close up and her head head like she drops the gauntlets and it's in that close up and the theme kicks in. My theater had spontaneous applause at that point because, like, everybody... Yeah. Because my girlfriend said it best, like, like three years ago. Like, there's a Guardians of the Galaxy movie coming out with a talking raccoon, and we can't get a Wonder Woman movie. <laughs> there's something fundamentally wrong there. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. And I think she did a fantastic job. A lot of people were concerned, like, she's not buff enough, but I'm like, I don't think you to be. Would... No, I mean, she no. was an Israeli soldier for two years, so she knows how to kill people if yeah. she really wanted to. And I, I, Before she was cast as Wonder Woman, and we knew she, that Wonder Woman was going to appear in the movie, I said I wanted Jennifer Lawrence to be Wonder Woman. But I think Gal Gadot works just as well. Right. Um, I just don't think... I, I doubt Fox would let her sign up to do a DC well, movie. I think at the time, I don't know if she was already doing X-Men then. Or yeah, be- might have been right around the time when she just started doing them. Because, like, 2011, that was the f- first class came out. Oh, because, like, she, she like, was publicly known that it was, like, a three-picture deal and that was it. But now right. since Apocalypse is coming out, they're kind of talking about, like, oh, she signed up for more because... And well, somebody she, is... Right. Uh, go on. Well, she kind of said that one interview, she didn't want to do any more X-Men movie, and the next one she was like, I hope they write me in the next one, so... I assume the experience working with Brian Singer probably was a very positive one, and it's like, she all did, right, she, she doesn't like having to put all that blue paint on. Well, that's why I think Rebecca Romaine Stamos was had one scene or a few scenes in in X Men Three, but she didn't have the makeup when she loses her powers as Mystique. And but you think of like it's mostly a suit for her for Jennifer Lawrence now, rather than the full on paint job that Rebecca Romaine had to deal with. But still, it's got to be claustrophobic to deal with that anyway. Sure. Um, with uh, Wonder Woman, and like that's not we're not doing a World War Two movie, which would be the obvious thing since she was written right before World War well, well before we got into World War Two, and that she's she has that one line that I really love. It's like I've killed things from other worlds before, and I'm like, oh, we're gonna probably get to see the whole uh with all the like Greek uh gods and stuff like that she's gonna fight probably in one the first Wonder Woman movie and I cannot wait for that. I hope we get some of that. Um like somebody uh was like theorizing like on the internet saying that she's fighting Ares during World War One. Awesome. Like that's and I'm like that'd be perfect to see it in like no man's land in, in France and just deal with that. Awesome. That'd be awesome. Sign me up. Um then finally do you think her getting all the files of the Justice League with the logos and stuff like that. Do you think that's a bit ham-fisted? Um, the logos we probably didn't need. But I, I like how she had the files and that that's how we found out about the Justice League. I thought, because the other way to do it is to actually include them in the, in the picture. Mm-hmm. And, to, and to let them each have their own scene. And while Flash gets his own, it's a plot, it, it, it moves the plot forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but the like Aquaman, Aquaman we probably could have found a spot for, and he could have he could have come up with the spear at the end. But then we would have questioned, well, how did he know he needed that spear? Yeah. Um, Cyborg, there I don't think there was anything 
for him in this movie unless they introduced mother boxes. Um, but they didn't. So I think that was a good way to, to introduce him. Aquaman mm-hmm. was a really cool scene, how he was kind of trying to figure out what was looking at him, and then as soon as he realized it was a camera, he destroyed it and swam off. I thought that was great. Um, yeah. My dad had a problem with how Flash's file was, because he said Barry Allen wouldn't have been in a, in a drugstore like that getting a soda. That just isn't, that, that's not Barry Allen. And I guess I don't know enough about Barry Allen to uh, be able to comment on that, but he, he didn't see that was right. I, I'll tell you this. When, right before the movie, I sat down next, next to my girlfriend and I told her, I've been waiting for this movie for three years, and now I just want it to be over. Because I was so nervous because of all the all the negative critiques. Uh, I think when I sat down in the theater, it was at thirty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and mm-hmm. I was just I was really really nervous for this film. And when after the nightmare scene was over and Flash talks to Bruce, I jumped out of my seat. She looked at me and she said, "This is so silly." And I said, "Are you kidding? This is incredible!" <laughs> like I was by by that point, I was all in. And it, it just, I that, that blew me away that they that's how they introduced Flash because it was incredible, spot on. Like the, I had two similar moments like that. Once is like early in the movie when they're talking about the white Portuguese, the ship that has the kryptonite, mm-hmm. and Alfred's like, "We don't know what it is. It could be anything, like a phantasm." I was like, oh, "That was cool." I was like, I, I I turned and looked at everybody else in the theater. Nobody else is reacting. My girlfriend's looking at me like, "What's wrong with you?" Like. I got a poster. Yeah, like got the poster on my wall. She's like, "Oh!" And then when the parademons attack, finally incapacitate mm-hmm. Bruce during the nightmare scene, I'm like, "I just saw a live action parademon on a big screen. I am content from the year on out." We're actually going to see Darkseid, and, and we might even see him before Thanos. We probably will, and we'll probably yeah. see. Well, it's funny. Like somebody did a list of like the top like five Marvel characters that are rip off of DC characters, like Quicksilver being the Flash, Thanos being Darkseid, uh, well, Deadpool. Obviously, the, the same person who created Darkseid created Thanos, and he created Darkseid first. So, yeah. So it's kind of like there. <laughs> I, I, I'm just curious who they're gonna get to cast him as Darkseid. Who would you cast as Darkseid? No, just, throw, just make him Tommy Lee Jones. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I just see it with like you gotta think of like the accent he has like in the fugitive as Darkseid. Like I didn't think Darkseid would be a th- from the south, but okay, we'll go with. Is it Tommy Lee Jones, Thanos? No, uh, Josh Brolin is. That's what I meant. I meant just cast him as Josh Brolin. Just mad the same guy do both characters. <laughs> it's I, I think I know why you did that. Why you thought Man of Tommy Lee Jones, Men in Black? Yeah, exactly. That's why I did that. Uh, anyway, my final thoughts on Wonder Woman. Cannot wait for her movie. Excited what's going to come bring forth. Let's move on to some other minor characters that are pretty big in this movie. Uh, Jeremy Irons is Alfred. Your feelings on him? Perfect. I'm glad he's active and he's not telling Bruce to stop. Well, I mean, he's telling Bruce to stop, but he doesn't quit on him like Michael Caine's but Alfred decided to leave. Because uh, that was a big problem of mine with Dark Knight Returns. He's like, oh, you should probably stop doing what you're doing. Even you, even you got too old to die young. And he's like, I'm going to help you anyways, and I'm going to, oh, I've got to take control of your plane now? I can do that, and I'll, you should just go, go in on the second floor and do your thing. Like, awesome. He's, at the beginning of the first time we see him, he's working on the mech suit and the, the helmet for that. Like, he's all in. He's like, yeah, I, I could try to stop you, or I could just try to help you. And he's the consummate butler. He'll warn a Bruce of what he's doing, but he'll follow him to the bitter end, right. much like in Dark Knight Returns. Like, Alfred's like, 
late 80s, early 90s by the time there is in that comic, and he's still setting his bones and, like, mm-hmm. warning, like, Batman, that mut- the mutant leader will kill you if you try, but he'll still heal him if he needs to. Right. And the biggest thing that probably Jeff Johns will ever do in his entire career is when he introduced the, like, old Cockney former MI5 agent uh, Alfred that's kind of like, whether you see it on Gotham or in Beware the Batman or now in this, that he is somebody who is just a person to be reckoned with mm-hmm. when it comes to not just the, who oh, goodness, sir, I cannot help you right now. I can only he's build the car. Not, he's not the butler who's just bringing the, the coffee and the sandwiches in. He's actually, exactly. right, he's in the trenches with him. He's all in. And... And, he, and I like the fact that he that he calls Batman out on the carpet of what his plans are. Like, he is not our enemy. Why are you doing this? He knows Batman's going on a suicide mission and tries vehemently to help him. Right. But even at the point where, like, Batman's uh, building his kryptonite weapons, like, Alfred just refuses to help him at that point. And he's And Bruce is just doing de- uh, deadlifts and stuff like that as he builds right. everything. And I'm like, all right, I can see that. Speaking, and then, speaking of the, the kryptonite spear for just a second how come he had to shave off all that kryptonite it, like did that all just go to waste i doubt it he probably has that in a drawer somewhere for just such occasions well, but he said he used all the kryptonite weapons so all he's got is that spear because he used the, the there were three caplets that that had to get that uh shot the gas out that's if he was telling the truth hopefully he wasn't he, he, yeah i mean like i remember was it in batman hush where Poison Ivy takes over Superman and sends him after Batman. And Batman goes to his kind of like his cave in Metropolis. And he's like, like, I hope it's still here. Opens the compartment. He's got like a ring that has like that has kryptonite on it to use as brass knuckles. And I could see this Batman doing that to having all these kind of things set up throughout probably multiple cities throughout the DCU. And with Alfred and that like... Kind of like there's a lot of uphill battles because Christopher Nolan did such a good job and Michael Caine did such a great job as mm-hmm. Alfred. It seems like it was effortless for Jeremy Irons. Right. He was just, he was, he was Alfred. And I wonder if he's going to, like, the one moment that will crystallize Alfred for me in, the, in Christopher Nolan's is the end of in Dark Knight Rises when he does that speech of trying to convince Batman not to do that and he starts mm-hmm. crying like, Oh, and I was rewatching it before I watched Batman v Superman. I'm like, oh, Jeremy Irons has such an uphill battle. Let's hope he can top this. And I think he did a wonderful job. I think he did too. Um, let's talk about some of the other female characters in this. Uh, Holly Hunter as Senator Finch as the person who's crusading against Superman. Your feelings on her? Did it make sense to you that she's going to these lengths to lead a crusade against Superman and then Lex says... Hey, I've I've got a tool that will, if we need to, it's like a kill switch, and we could just get rid of him. And she says, "No, nah, I don't think we're going to use that." Does that makes sense to you? Well, it feels like she was definitely clinging onto the judicial system to make him pay for those crimes. It's almost, I can see the theory. Like, what are the statistics of people who own guns that probably get shot more than people who do not own guns? Right. So having a deterrent there will probably, and if Superman knows there's a deterrent there. But then again, I am assuming there, I am stretching there. I don't know. I could have put more thought in there than the writers. I do not know. Mm-hmm. But I do see your point there. Like, I want to stop Superman. I, can, I know how to kill him. Well, it's going too far. I don't want right. to do that. Right. Can we just, can we put him in handcuffs? That's Maybe. not going to work. <laughs> right, right. 
that's kind of how she was to me. And you know, I would have liked to have her and Superman have maybe just a couple of lines before the bomb went off in the Capitol. Right. I think um, that would have been nice. I remember when they did when they the Comic Con trailer dropped and they had the Capitol scene with him entering in. I took a still from that while he's standing at the podium, and I took lines from Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. And I'm like, at this moment. I am abolishing all nuclear weapons. I put that with that picture and sent that on Twitter, and a lot of people comp like tweeted at that, like, "Oh, that's hilarious!" I'm like, "That's the vibe I'm getting right here." <laughs> uh, and then Holly Hunter has to deal with that scene where she's acting up um, with a bottle of piss at that point, which is a payoff to a that joke was, she said. Her that was incredible. I thought that was hilarious. They like turn the jar really slowly, yeah. and I'm like, "Grandma's what was it? What was the Grandma's uh, peach tea? Peach tea." Now, I wonder, did Lex put that bottle there, or did the other senator that was helping him put that there? <laughs> That's my question. Is like I would, I, I'm going to go out and say it was Lex, because he wasn't there. He knew exactly what he was doing. And I, I feel kind of bad for Mercy, that she ends up becoming collateral damage in that, that, uh, that uh, explosion. I wish she had a little bit more, because I don't think the audience will ever know who she really was now. No, I mean, like if you're a fan... Of the anim- the Superman animated series, you'll know her, and it's like, oh, that's Mercy, that's uh, um, his uh, sidekick, and I find it kind of dead. Yeah, he he's no he just has he doesn't have Mercy anymore. So I thought that was like, oh, don't tell me they did something that really that lofty with that idea. <laughs> anyway, um, I think Holly Hunter did a good job, but wish she could stick around for more movies, but sadly yeah, she's not. She's gone. Um, let's talk about the Marthas, Martha Wayne and Martha Kent. So, <laughs> I don't have a problem with it, to be honest. It's, I, I mean, I wish that it wasn't a, I, I'm, I'm good with Superman saying Martha and then Batman saying, why did you say that name? I think that's important. And I think that that's a, a good way to make them stop fighting. But mm. just because your mom's name is Martha and my name is Martha, we're going to become best friends. I think that's a little bit too far, too too much, too quickly. I think we need a, a, a little bit more time in between where Batman's about to kill Superman and then he's we- rescuing his mom. Mm-hmm. And, like, the way I've thought about it is that Bruce Wayne has dehumanized Superman to such an extreme that he does not consider him obviously he's an alien, but he's like, he is an unholy abomination. And then when he has that moment where he realizes like, this guy has a mother. Sure. His, his mother's name is Martha. But I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's the name that's like, Oh, your ma- mom's name is Martha. Mine's too. Let's be besties. It's more right. like, Oh, this guy has a mother and he has a father and he is, was grown. He was, bro- he was grown up here. Mm-hmm. And he realizes, like, this guy is just trying to do the right thing, and that's why he stops. I agree that it was just done really quickly. Right. I mean, if you wanted to... It's like, you I'll could've... save her. <laughs> Don't worry, I got this. Yeah, but it also goes into... like, oh, you just tried to kill me, but yeah, that's a good idea. Go save my mom. <laughs> you almost impaled me with your spear of destiny. I'm going right. to trust you with my mother? Yeah, I guess uh... that seems like... That seems <laughs> <laughs> like, this seems like I, a guy I can trust. I mean, this guy is brandy people. He seems like I can trust right. him with my mother. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so I don't mind that, and we'll get into Martha Wayne a little bit when we do we talk about the opening as well. I like uh, Martha Kent. She stirred up some controversy, at least amongst my friends, when she says, like, you don't owe anything, you don't owe this world anything, Clark. And my friend Mike was like, no, bullshit, thousands of people are dust because of him. He owes yeah. the world everything. Do you think that's a fair criticism? I think it is. I didn't personally think of it that way. Um, I think Superman could just leave and go somewhere else, but then he'd be leaving the world vulnerable to, to more attacks because now there's all this attention on Earth. Um, because seemingly the universe knows that Zod escaped the Phantom Zone and then something happened on Earth, even if they don't know what. So he's probably feels some responsibility to Earth now to keep it safe because he has opened this wormhole, so to speak, of inviting predators in. Um, but I, 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 so I, but uh, you hit me with a hard one here. Does he, <laughs> right? Does like. I think I think he still needs to. Um, he's, he hasn't addressed the destruction of Metropolis, even right. now that this movie's over. And so I think there needs to come a point. Well, probably not now that he doesn't need to, but there probably should have been a point where he addresses the destruction in order for that critique to to really be fair, in my opinion. Mm. Like. Um... It's not like he's ignoring that. It's kind of... You go back to the argument, like in Wrath of Khan, like Spock says, the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Right. And that's a that's a way of thinking that not a lot, that some people are for and some people are not. And it obviously caused controversy when it came to... Because like, people said, Superman saved the Earth! But at yeah, what cost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, there's probably a few billion dollars worth of damage in that one little city. One yeah. little area of the city. And then you, you think of like almost like Ozymandias from Watchmen, another movie that Zack Snyder made, that like, like you slaughtered millions to save billions. Like, I don't think like he's being that maniacal that way, but it's one of those things that Martha kind of is like, no, you're fine, you're good. I did, I did like how they had to keep saying, oh, that place is uninhabited, and oh, that island is uninhabited. Like that, and they, was... they brought him into space. Like that was total like, oh, we can send <laughs> a nuke there; it won't hurt anybody. I, I mean, they even did that in the Avengers when Iron Man is fighting Hulk. He's like, "Is anybody in that building? No. Let me buy that." And then he, then he pile drives Hulk through that uh, construction site. Right. Was, I I like the fact they addressed that criticism rather than doubling down. Like, all right, we're gonna blow up a school this time or something, just to right. really ratchet home the fact that like Superman kills here. Uh, I'm kind of glad he didn't have to kill as many. He, like, did he kill anybody this time? Probably one the one terrorist he flew through those few walls when he saved yeah, Lois. That, that guy's dead. dead. Yeah, but Superman's killed all the time. Right. That's the thing. I, a lot of people are like Superman never killed. Like, he's... how many of the early comics where he straight up murdered people? Right, right. And... I don't have a problem with him killing people. I think it's just it's something that at this point he should probably address. Yeah, I mean. Hell, I mean, like they may be like leaning towards the injustice storyline where Superman kills well, I think somebody. They definitely, they, they should. Well, they showed the injustice storyline. That was the whole nightmare scene. It was Superman and Darkseid uh, um, going against the world and, and taking over the world, and that's why Flash uh, came to Bruce and said, "You have to protect Lois and make sure that 
She's like she's the key to all of this, like not going to hell. Hmm. There was in the nineties. There was when Grant Morrison was reading or was writing Justice League, which I'm reading now. It's actually pretty cool. The JLA specifically. Mm-hmm. There was a storyline where Superman crushes this like sorcerer stone or like philosopher stone, and it cuts to a alternate future where kind of like Back to Future Part Two, where Darkseid has taken over the Earth. It's 15 years or so has gone by with Darkseid controlling Earth. And they have this one chance to go back in time and stop Superman from doing this. And mother boxes are involved. And there's one there's one line of dialogue where John Jones is being smashed into atoms and he's completely obliterated. The energy emitted from his body lit Las Vegas for an entire year. And I'm like, huh. That would be interesting. There's something where Justice League realized they kind of screwed up and they had to go back in time and fix that. It definitely seems like they're going that way. I think I think we're going to see more Flash time travel, and maybe we'll even see him time travel into this movie in the future, which I think is as much as I, I like. I, I don't. I'm not one to be really big into time travel, but I think that if executed correctly, it could be really cool. Um, this is, this from, is from the Flash a few times. Your feelings, your feelings on Flash, Flash DCU, versus Flash Your microphone's making a weird noise. Uh, uh, here we now. Hold on, hold on. How about now? How about now? Yeah, you're like an echo, but in staticky, but I can hear what you're saying, so that's fine. Okay, okay. Um, what do you feel, do you like, feel like Flash, Flash going forward? Going forward? Compared to, compared to um, um, Grant Gustin Gust Flash, Flash TV, on TV, 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 show. TV show. I actually haven't started watching the Flash TV show. <gasps> I know. Well, my in my defense, what I wanted to do, I wanted to. Wa- I was wa- already watching Arrow. I started Arrow on Netflix before Flash started, so I got through season one kind of late, and then I took a long break, and I can't. I watched a. I watched a bunch of other stuff, and by that time, everyone was like, "Flash is amazing. You need to watch it now." But I knew that Barry Allen was in the second season of Arrow, so I decided to watch the second season of Arrow Good idea. and start The Flash. So I'm almost done with season two of Arrow. I mean, the one thing I'll say, two things I'll say about The Flash TV show, it is a true comic book come to life. That's what everybody tells me, and I think that's what I'm most excited to see. And the season finale episode of the first season had me in tears and maybe in my top ten like TV moments. I want to go watch it now. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, and it's, but then, like, even like when they did that Justice League introduction to Justice League TV like special with Jeff Johns and Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith asked, like, you have Grant Gustin as a Flash on TV. Why are we doing Barry Allen again in the movies? And Jeff Johns hinted that, like, well, multiverse is a thing. Yeah. And so, which is quite possible. I feel like they should. It should have been I- Wally West. Well, they haven't said that. They, well, they've kind of denied that they're going to do a, a TV to movie crossover. I wouldn't completely rule it out. No, I'd be surprised if they, at some point, didn't decide to send Oliver, Stephen Amell's Oliver Queen onto the big screen. And well, it's funny because with Stephen Amell being in Ninja Turtles this, this summer, I doubt we're going to be able to keep him on TV much longer if that movie's a success. Because he's right. going to want to do bigger, better things as a movie star. So right. Um. So, Ezra Miller, Ezra, Ezra Miller, I Ezra, know, Miller yeah. Ezra Miller has, like with Alfred, has an uphill uphill battle to come when it comes to the Flash. I'm hopeful for it. I'm curious what they're going to do with that, so I'm I'm happy about that. Um. 
Let's talk about uh, Doomsday, one of the last characters we'll talk about. Your feelings on this iteration of Doomsday in this movie? Um, he's just he's a big monster, and he was going to get beaten up no matter yeah. what happened. Uh, I, I hadn't read uh, Death of Superman, and I, I was familiar with Doomsday, and I guess it just kind of slipped my mind that, that Doomsday was the one to kill Superman. Mm-hmm. So when it happened in the movie, it was it, did, it was kind of like a shocking moment for me. I, I wasn't thinking they were going to go that route so early. Because, I mean, it's taken Marvel how many years, and they're finally going to hopefully kill off Captain America in Civil War, because mm-hmm. that's what happens in the comics. Right. Um, but uh, he was just a big monster with a lot of superpowers, and that's... To me, that's all he was. He was just a, a device to put in there to bring the guys together. Do you feel like the movie would have been fine without him? It would have definitely been different. I mean, obviously, it would have been different. But I think that there needs to there needed to be uh, a villain to that magnitude for Batman and Superman to have to fight in order for them to team up. Mm-hmm. And that's what like before Doomsday was kind of like pretty much told us when we had that. That trailer, trailer, that the three act trailer, as I like to call it, because it had a beginning, a middle, end, and that pretty much is the highlights of that movie. Yep. And I was kind of thinking, like, oh, they're going to fight, and there's going to be a third act monster they're going to have to fight. I didn't think it was going to be Doomsday. And then. Right. I feel like that trailer would have been stronger if we just heard a roar and never saw him, mm-hmm. and then been like, what was that? Right. And, like, I understand the criticism that Doomsday looks like Abomination from The Incredible Hulk. And he's like, or kind of is. Yeah. yeah. And he got the bone structure near the end, right before he killed Superman. Right. But since we said Superman dies at the end of this movie, spoilers, everybody, if you're listening to this, um, I did not expect him to kill off Superman with this. I'm like, oh, they have Doomsday in here. I'm like, oh, pfft, they're not going to do that. Your feelings are. Well, you know, that's fine to kill Superman off. You can't kill Superman. He's just going to. We saw the dirt at the end. It's just going to take him longer because he's not exposed to sunlight. Mm-hmm. He got nuked in this movie, and he's still okay. So Superman can, he's going to, he, as long as he's powered by our sun, he can live forever. Um, and that's just the way it is. I'm okay with him dying. And I, I just hope it's not in all of a sudden he comes back to life like a deus ex machina in a movie. I hope that it gets a nice little setup, like something, like so, so somebody like feels... Superman, or maybe like a, we'll get a, a Raven character in Justice League that kind of understands that he's back, or maybe Flash will say, "Oh, if Superman doesn't die, just go unbury him and just open the box, throw him under the, some heat, and he's good to go." So I, I, I don't want him to just they they are fighting Dark Side and they're it's a losing battle, and then Superman comes out of nowhere and saves the day. I don't want that to happen. But I think it's done properly. I'm complete. I'm totally fine with him dying right now. I hope it. I hope like it's like Christian Christian symbolism with Superman has gone hand in hand for a long time. Right. It's kind of hammered home with both Man of Steel and this. I hope to God it's no pun intended that um, he doesn't come back in. No, he doesn't come back in three days. Well, like, I'm sure there were more than there's. There had to be more than three days in between the, the battle and the the, the funeral. funeral you I'd hope so. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, I'm like that. Otherwise, I'd be like, ooh. Otherwise, oh they're gonna start Justice League off with three days later. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, they time needs to go by at that point, right? But you're saying like Flash, like, say, just dig him up. I, I was imagining a comic in my head, like a wrapped up Superman in a blanket. Yeah, why did you guys do that? That's so stupid. Go <laughs> dig him up. Just put him under the sun. <laughs> I just imagined him like Batman holding heat lamps. 
above his body, just like standing there in the dark. Like, eventually well, he'll wake yeah. up. In the comics, he had to go to the Fortress of Solitude, and then they had to do things to him there to bring him back. But he doesn't really have a fortress this time, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how they bring him back. Right. And I wonder, like, somebody brought up a good point when after he got nuked at one point, and he's kind of late. He's floating in stasis in the in space. He looked like Bizarro when he was all messed mm-hmm. up, and I was like, <gasps> "Yeah, Bizarro would be cool to see in this universe, or Lobo, or whoever." I like uh, to see Brainiac, yeah, <sighs> Brainiac, and then the Bottle City of Candor. There are so many possibilities with Superman. Mm-hmm. The question is, do you think Zack Snyder and, and Co. went into this? begrudgingly to make a Superman movie and rather just they wanted to make a Batman movie first. Uh, no, I think they I think they kind of went into this movie and said, look, we just got to get the team together. Uh, let's not do the whole Iron Man and then Iron Man 2 and then here's everybody that we have. It's just we, we introduced you to Superman. We don't need him to go fight a Brainiac or a Lobo. Let's just let's get our let's get the team together. Let's sick do- doomsday on them. Let's get this thing rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, so and now I think it's it's okay for us to go and have adventures with other characters and then we can go back to Man of Steel and then we can go back to the other characters it doesn't have to be this formulaic this is this is how each phase is going to work and you're going to get this movie here and then you're going to get Iron Man first and then you're going to get a Thor and then you'll get Captain America mm. like I, I, I like that they're not going to keep it formulaic and that we're going to get these movies uh, while well, how come uh, Thor just doesn't show up and help Iron Man out? Or right. it's, it's going to be, oh, Batman's fighting a, a, a team of Suicide Squad? Maybe one will be in Suicide Squad. We don't know. Maybe we'll get another Justice League character to show up. Because in this universe, it seems like anything can happen at any time. Hold on, you're, you're breaking apart. Do, 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 do. Um, hold on. Actually, I got an idea. I just turn up the Wi Fi on all my other devices. Wi-Fi, turn off. Okay, uh... Alright. You want to start again from the idea of, like, why isn't he showing up at this point? You want to yeah, build so, it? like, in, in the Marvel Universe, it's, well, Iron Man's having a big problem right now. How come Thor doesn't show up to help? In this universe, it's kind of... The way they've kind of set this precedent now, in only their second movie, just because, of, like, somebody's name is on the title doesn't necessarily mean those are the only one or two characters that are going to, that are going to show up. Because Wonder Woman wasn't in the title. She showed up. Flash showed up. So we could have a Wonder Woman movie, and Aquaman could be there, for all we know. Or we could have a Cyborg movie, and Superman can show up. So I, I don't think that it's going... Like, each movie has to be a so-called solo film. I think it. some of them probably should. Or mm-hmm. if, if they are, like, very true solo films, I think... We need to know that the other characters are, in fact, busy doing other things. Right. Um, but I like I, I think that's why in this in this instance, it's okay that Batman's is the next one to get a solo film in between him or Superman. Superman, we 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 can do without for a little bit now. Right. Um, and the one thing that this movie sets up that's very different from the other Marvel movies is like the origins have already been done. Right. For these characters. Granted, we could have flashbacks to their origins, but we're not going to be like Aquaman. Like, huh, Arthur, you're part Atlantean. What? And right. then we see him uh, ascend to the throne or anything like that. But I think, you know what? I think we will get that movie. 
You think so? You think that's what the Aquaman will be? I think because I think that's what the Wonder Woman movie is going to kind of do. It's going to get us caught up now with where with how she where she is and how she got there. Gotcha. But do you think that will be the entire crux of the movie? Um, it it probably be the first half. I bet. Gotcha. I mean, I hope it's not as like like one of the problems that I have with Captain America: The First Avenger is because. Captain America becomes Captain America, and then we have a montage of him taking out Hydra, and right. then we got the second half is pretty much a setup for the Avengers. Right. And I feel like it kind of, like, you could have had almost two movies at that point. I hope it doesn't get into that situation. Like, all right, you're Wonder Woman, and and here we go. We're setting up the like, next movie. I, like, we, we definitely need her origin, and we need to know who Chris Pine is and, like, what, what they were doing in that photograph. And then after that, we, we can we can speed up and, and go to what she's been up to for the past hundred years where she hasn't been helping humanity. Right. Then when she leaves man's world. Right. All right. Now let's go into the kind of the style of the film and stuff like that. What? How do you think about the, the opening of the movie being a recap of Batman's origin? Necessary or not? Um, necessary, yes. Because... The the first tweet I sent out after this movie was, this is not a superhero movie. This is a comic book movie. And that first scene, or the the first whole montage with Bruce's parents dying for the 50th time in cinema, is that it was shot as it was drawn in the Dark Knight Returns comic book. Mm -hmm. It set the tone right away that what you were going to see is a comic book movie, and it's not going to have a happy ending. It's going to be a comic book movie. And it's like super stylized. And, and I was like, oh, like a return to form with you. Like you could put Watchmen on and then put this on. It blend seamlessly. And I think mm-hmm. it works for this material. And my favorite moment is when uh, Joe Chill is pulling the gun away from Martha and, and the pearl necklace get caught in the hammer. Yep. And he pulls the trigger and the hammer cuts the pearl necklace. I'm like, Oh, okay, that's really cool. And then some people were complaining, like Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who's playing, who played Thomas Wayne, clenches his fist and takes a swing at Joe Chill. Do you think that's the right thing for Thomas Wayne to do? Well, I mean, in the New Fifty Two, he was Batman for a little while. That's true. Which seems, so, which seems like these movies are definitely taking their cues from. Right, which is weird now that the New Fifty Two is ending, but that's a whole other topic. We'll be here for days debating that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's okay that I mean he steps in front first and he protects his family and then he he takes a swing and then he dies like he, the same exact way he does in Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Only not thrown out a window with a smiley right. face button. <laughs> right, it's just the pearls that are going down into the um, sewer. So gotcha. I, I, I don't I don't think I have a problem with that. It doesn't it mean it doesn't help his cause? No. So, uh, and I think the, one of the most important things from that opening is we have Bill Finger credited along with Bob Kane when it comes to Batman. For the first time. And I was like, oh, Bill Finger. And then they had Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster right after that. I was like, oh, I thought that was a really cool part on Warner Brothers to yep. finally acknowledge the fact that Bill Finger is probably maybe more responsible for Batman than Bob Kane. But mm-hmm. And then you have... I wonder if we're going to have Jerry Robinson credited at the beginning of Suicide Squad because the Joker is going to be in that because that's another thing of debate. Like, how much did Jerry Robinson contribute to Robin and Joker as characters? Um, 
We'll find out soon, huh? <laughs> of course. And then we have the opening, the recap of Man of Steel from Bruce Wayne's point of view when he steals the Jeep. Or not, he, is, he takes the Jeep and he drives right into Ground Zero. Right. What do you think of that action sequence in a, in of itself? Uh, I I think it gave us another perspective that we needed. Uh, I I think it felt natural. It felt organic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't feel like the worst like Swain was doing, and he, he he didn't like what was was happening. And he can't go out as Batman in the daylight, but he can go out as Bruce Wayne in the daylight, and he has an excuse to because it's Wayne Enterprises that's at risk right now. So I thought that was that was very well shot. I thought there was a huge sense of urgency. It felt like I was right back in Man of Steel, uh, and I like how the, the way they blended the the two movies together that way. That was a good way to start the thing. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because when I was seeing it, and because I, I saw I saw the movie twice, like you, the second time I saw an IMAX, and I made sure to sit in dead center of the theater. I'm like, okay, and then I was like. Oh wait, the dubstep gravity gun is the is is the, the t- head of the movie, and like when it, the sound is going off, it's like hitting me in the chest. I was like, oh, oh god, that is really loud. Um, and then there's that moment when after Batman goes running into the smoke and it has that one police horse just walking away. I'm like, what happened to the officer that was on there? And then you have right. that one moment where he saves the little girl from being cr- crushed by that pylon. Like, where's your mother? And she points to the wreckage of the Wayne building. Like, oh, he's going to kill Superman now. And, like, everybody was on board for the fact, like, all right, Superman deserves what he's got coming towards him. Right. And then... We had a force. I mean, just going to go after Superman. Oh, yeah. And then movie goes on. And, like, we've mentioned Dark Knight Returns throughout this entire movie. And... Batman has a sniper rifle at one point. You're thinking, like, oh, God, is he going to kill somebody with that? But no, it's just a tracer. I'm like, oh, okay. Whew. Right. Okay. Um, do you think, hmm, like, Zack Snyder said, like, Dark Knight Returns is his favorite comic book movie, and that's why he, he took so much of that from him here. And even that moment where, uh, like, during the final assault to get Martha Kent back, and, Bat- and Batman goes full Arkham Asylum, and he starts beating everybody crap the crap out of everybody. And it comes to that one scene where it's just the two guards left uh, guarding um, Martha, and then like it's showing that wall, and I'm like, I lean over to my girlfriend, like he's gonna come through the wall. And he's just like, what? But boom, comes punching through that, and I'm like, oh, and he's like, he's gonna shoot him, isn't he? And, and he he shoots him, and people are like, well, you still using guns again? I'm like, well. He, he and I referenced my comic like he killed somebody. He killed somebody with an M60 in Dark Knight Returns. Right. I, I don't. I don't understand why people are so. It's, it's because it's because of the 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 last three times we saw Batman, he, he would refuse to kill people, and it was against everything he is. And people just have to separate that that Batman is different than this Batman. And they obviously did a making that crystal clear. Now. Another thing that a, a lot of people have a problem like uh, with um, the structure of the movie. Do you think this movie is a little jumbled? Uh, there is definitely a lot going on in the movie. Uh, I, I think this the, the first time I saw it, I thought it was very well put together. Mm. Uh, the second time I saw it, it was a little bit... Um, it felt slow to me. 
Okay. Um, second time. It, it might just be because I've already seen it, and I tend to be that way with movies. Um, but the, 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 most of the big action scenes, um, and I, but I don't think it was told. I think it was it was pieced together nicely. It, it, there was a story to be told, and it was told organically, and it was told in order. It wasn't jumping around um, in, in a timeline where, where that could have been confusing because of all the characters that were probably doing things at the same exact time as what we were seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 don't, I don't think it, it was necessarily confusing or jumbled, no. And it seems like Warner Brothers had a few things, like they want these few things to be in there, and Zack Snyder and co. was like, all right, this is the best thing we can assemble based upon the people who are putting up the money for it. So I kind of like give them a little carte blanche with that, like, they have to set up this, 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 and this. This is the best way you're going to do that. Then, of course, the argument would be like, well, they're putting too much in there. I'm like, well, they have to pay. They Like it or not, they right. have to play catch-up. And I kind of wish right. they didn't, but they sadly have to. Um, I, think, I think they made the best with what they what they were tasked with. Right. Because it wasn't, they, they didn't just say, here's 30 characters, figure, like, here, they're all going to exist together, and you have to like it. It was, nope, here's this character, and now we're going to this character, and now we're going to this character, and now these characters are all going to interact with each other. And I think that worked how they how they decided to present it. The movie didn't spoon-feed the audience. It respected the audience. And I think right. another thing that like a lot of people were complaining, like, well, what's this? And I'm like, it could be alienating to some, but I feel like a movie that was expects a little bit more of his audience as something to be to be championed rather than like all right this is this person and this is what's happening i rather and like this I... is their superpower <laughs> and they're gonna save everyone every single time and nothing bad is ever gonna happen to them <laughs> i mean i like the fact that it, it makes the audience more engaged like first time i saw it there's a girl in front of us like who was just like being really annoying like what's that Who's that? And like her mother was just like, shut up. And like one point, I'm just gonna like, just want to lean forward and be like, snap. Oh, oh there we go. Nope. Like I made, I made, I told the story on another podcast, but you don't know about it. But I remember when I saw Man of Steel for the second time, there was like these tween girls sitting behind me and like having a full conversation at normal volume, like you or I, as the movie was going on. And I'm just like, kill him. And I'm just like, ah. Oh. And there's that moment where, like, it's during the when the bus uh, tire pops and he goes off the bridge, mm-hmm. and the kid is bullying Clark, and she's like, "Shut up, you fat ginger!" And myself and my friend Chris, who are both gingers, are just kind of looking at each other. It's like, what the fuck? And I remember. Did you get up and say something? I wanted to, but then that's when they shut up real quick because they both got, they all got shocked by when the bus went off the bridge. Good. And there was a. And I was going to turn back, and there was. I forget the name of the movie, but the insult was like, "Shut that cunt's mouth before I come over and fuck start her head." I wanted to yell that at this woman, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm going to be banned from the theater if I do that. So I, I probably should relax a little bit. Um, so annoying fans of DC, annoying audience members, do not tolerate them. Mm-hmm. Now you said before we shouldn't compare this to Marvel flicks. It seems like everybody's done that. Therefore, is that justified? No, and that's why it's been reviewed so poorly. Because if you go, if you want a superhero movie right now, you're thinking Marvel, right? And and this isn't that. And, and I feel like it's they're obviously because just, th- just think of how how much they'd be criticized right now 
if they did make a Marvel movie, they'd be like, oh, showing up late to the game, I see. Ah, oh, taking our formula, I see. Ah, still can't make it better, as good a movie as we are, I see. Exactly. It, it would. It was a Cash-22. Whether right. they'd be different or they'd be too similar, they were both going to get screwed either way. Right. So I feel like them being bold and being like, all right, we're not going to be rule... Take the idea of like having a shared universe, but that's as far as we're going to go when it right. comes we're gonna to... We're going to tell it, our stories, we're going to tell them our way, and they're not going to be Marvel's way. Um, and your feelings on the DCU at this point? Let's see more. Bring me more. And I want like, more. I want a lot more. <laughs> of course. I mean, every like DC fan now at the point like, ah, oh, Suicide Squad is going to be on, t- and it's going to be on the screen... Arrow and Flash is killing it on TV. Gotham is Gotham. We'll get to that another day. Goth- yeah, that's another one. I, I'm starting to like, uh, do I want to keep watching this show? I start, I watched the first episode of the second season. I enjoyed it, but I have not kept up. I'm going to eventually binge watch the second season and make my own opinions based upon that. And then we'll have another podcast for that. Of course, because I did a podcast, used, podcast review of the first season. I'm more than willing to do it for the second one. Um, so DC is really killing it right now. I'm waiting for like, and I was talking to a friend like, what other like random DC DC stuff can be we see like, like Doom Patrol or something like that, something really obscure. Or... I want, I really want to see the Teen Titans. <sighs> Would you I want them on TV the or on? No, I don't. No, I want the, I want them. I want a movie. I want Robin to be the leader, and I want to see Starfire and Raven and Beast Boy and Cyborg, and I, I want, I want a Teen Titans movie. <sighs> because it's. Since we already have Cyborg in the Justice League, that that's a perfect lead-in well, into... Right, and if he was going to be in Justice League and they wanted to replace him, they could replace him, and they don't. I guess they don't necessarily need him to be in Teen Titans, but no. we also need a Robin, too, because right now we're Robinless. Yes, and... But we never... They never really confirmed or denied who... Which Robin died. Right. And we don't, we know, don't know who... We don't know which Robin we're on. Because there were those set photos where we had Dick Grayson's headstone, but... I th- but it seems like they did well. They did. We know we didn't. They didn't use him, so mm-hmm. he might be alive. So, and I hope I hope he's alive because I don't think Dick Grayson's gotten the proper treatment on screen. No disrespect to Chris O'Donnell, he did the best with mm-hmm. what he had. But, but I would also like Dick Grayson to be Nightwing right now. I, yes. I think we deserve a Nightwing character. <laughs> I wish him in the disco uh, Nightwing suit with the <laughs> with nice real big blue stuff right there. That'd be perfect. And. <laughs> Thoughts on the future? Do you think it, Batman v Superman has not made a billion dollars yet and it had a big drop off? Do you think Warner Brothers will get cold feet and we may not get the other movies? Well, we're definitely going to get Suicide Squad. Right. Definitely going to get Wonder Woman. Definitely going to get Justice League. If those four movies, if there's if there's a significant trend and they're all heading downwards, then we're done. But I think we get those four. For sure, right. And, and then, mean, after, and then after that, it's just it's based on the money that they bring in. And I, I like well, one thing is I like the fact that Warner Brothers owns all DC characters. So you're not like, oh, this is Marvel, but they're not right. Marvel, Marvel. Right. So like X Men, they exist, but they're in a different universe, and they also don't talk to Spider Man. In some of the best moments of in comics and cartoons, there's like seeing the X Men with Spider Man and what right. have you. Oh, this uh, is Quicksilver, and so is this Quicksilver, and oh, oh, this Quicksilver's dead now. And don't say mutant. Say what? Shh, don't right, say that. Right, don't say that word. They're special. <laughs> They're enhanced. Yeah. 
oh god, it's just so. They'll figure just... it out someday when X Men movies start to go back to the way they were before Brian Singer took over. Yeah, I mean, which is not going to be for a while because I hope that when I came out of Days of Future Past, like I, I tweeted, like Spielberg is meant to direct Indiana Jones movies and Brian Singer is meant to make X Men movies. Yeah, it's just I something... still haven't seen uh, First Class or Days of Future Past, so they're on my list. See him in that. Don't don't jump to Days of Future. See First Class. I did yeah, right because I had the opportunity to see Days of Future Past recently, but I didn't because of First Class. And I remember when First Class came out, I didn't see it because I had been burned because of X Men Three and Wolverine Origins. So I was like, I don't know if I'm going to see another X Men movie right now. So and I kind of regret mm-hmm. not doing that. All right. Do you have any final thoughts on Batman v Superman? I know we've jumped around a lot. Hopefully not as much right. as the movie has jumped around. But <laughs> uh, any final thoughts on characters or I anything? Think, I think they did an excellent job in establishing a universe and not shoving it down our throats. I think that it, the future is going to be bright. And they, it seems like they have a good direction of where they want to go and what stories they want to tell. And I hope that it... I, I What I would like... To, to see is, is the critics to, to kind of understand what DC is doing in the next for Suicide Squad especially and to and to um, maybe not openly compare maybe not even openly maybe just don't go into the movie thinking you're going to see a Marvel movie and I hope if any if this movie accomplished anything it's that it has set its own tone for the DC universe mm-hmm. and I agree with you and one thing that I I know it's a real technical thing but like Warner Brothers like all their DC movies are still being shot on celluloid film mm-hmm. and sure I prefer shooting digital now and stuff like that but I, lo- I love the fact that people still use film and that you it's can just a tell the difference you can see it in the movie and especially when I saw an IMAX and when it goes from the IMAX footage that was shot natively mm-hmm. to shot 35 millimeter film there's a there is a quality degradation yeah, and but like with digital, with the all the Marvel movies since Avengers was shot digitally, it fits those movies. Yep. But there is a certain flatness when it comes to the digital versus film. I know I brought that up on several podcasts before, but I just want the just I want to do filmmaking, and I want that option to still be available to me one day. Warner Brothers insisting on that, I think, is a good idea. Super on board for that. Yeah, uh, and my final thoughts for the DCU is like. Hope Suicide Squad and Wonder Woman are going to be awesome. Like I want, I want a Wonder Woman movie. Like I, that's the one I'm looking forward to the most. I would love. I can't wait to see um, Suicide Squad because I, I'm curious to see what Will Smith could do with Deadshot. Yeah. I'm excited for Mar- Mar- Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. <sighs> Me too. <laughs> Even if she's not doing the typical Mr. J voice or anything like that, and. Which- then- Will take a minute or two to, to get used to, but I think she'll be fine. I mean, like, if you watch Wolf of Wall Street, where she has an overly Brooklyn accent, I thought that's what she was going to do for this. I'm glad she didn't, because she's British. or Aust- No, she's Australian. So yeah. I'm glad that she didn't go Brooklyn here. <laughs> oh, man. Now I'm going to watch Wolf of Wall Street tonight. Now I think that's what I'm going to do. Um, Jared Leto looks like he's going to be fantastic as the Joker. It's one of the, When Jared Leto was cast, it was like, people were like, oh, Okay, it was like he was one of, like my five people I wanted to be Joker. The other people were like being Adrian Brody, and I forget. I think I wanted David Tennant to be Joker at one point, but I think he did fantastic as Kilgrave on Daredevil. I mean, yes. Jessica Jones. 
Yes. Um, he might be. He's probably the second best villain in the Marvel Universe. Besides Loki, or yes. well, what's the Fisk? Ah, he's even better than Fisk. That's that's a that's a debate for another day. Best yes. Marvel villain. It'll be a fifteen minute episode because most of their <laughs> villains suck. Sorry yeah. to say. No, they do. Uh, Malachi. So, uh, I don't even know who the villain was in Thor 2. I fell yeah. asleep during that movie. <sighs> Thor 2, probably the worst in the MCU. Probably worse than probably... Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2. Ooh, I also don't remember the villain from that movie. He just he had those electrical whips. That's all I remember. <laughs> Which do you prefer, Iron Man 2 or 3? Three? 3. Same. Uh, even, not... though, even though they're not going to use extremists now. No. <laughs> and that was such a cool concept, too. And it's like, yeah, all right. Yeah, threw that right away. And like... Mandarin's like not really Mandarin. I'm fine with that. I was I right. Mean, if that's what they're gonna do, I'll accept it and just just keep using it and, and maybe even come back to killing and being Mandarin. That's fine with me. But they just they're totally gonna neglect it, which is too bad. Like, did you ever see that short film with like they yep. released and like my my master was like really upset with you. I was like, oh my god, they're gonna come back to it. Nope, not yet. Nope. Unless they shoot horn him into civil war, who knows? Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. I mean, that seems that's my that's my biggest concern with Civil War is that like it could be too much too soon with with that. Like we have Crossbones, we have the Civil War aspect, we have Black Panther, we have Spider Man. Right. Uh, I'm ready though. I'm excited for that one. Oh, uh, as, much I am, as, I, as much as I'm a DC fanboy, I think it's going to be a great film. Yeah, I mean, Marvel has not really disappointed me, despite my my fr- preference being with DC because I grew up with DC. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm excited for the DCU. And I can't wait for Suicide Squad. All right. I hope everybody's enjoyed this podcast on Batman v Superman Dawn Justice Review. Now, Matt, if you want people to follow you on social media, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter, at the Matt Bishop. Uh, same on Instagram. And uh, I, don't really have, I don't have a Facebook page right now, so just Instagram and Twitter. Dope. And if you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Twitter at TimothyRooney2, Instagram at TRooney1012, and my Facebook and YouTube page, Through the Lens Productions, my latest short film, Blink and You're Dead, is up there, as well as another comedy, actually a comedy coming along the way. Hope everybody's enjoyed this podcast, brought to you by SoundCloud.com, and I'll talk to you soon.